behind the glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Brian. We are here. COVID. <laughs> and this is the Brian best beer show on the internet. I, I am uh, I am Katie. Oh, yeah. What Brian is doing <laughs> before he moves on. No. All right. Hi, everyone. All right. So uh, before we get too deep here, uh, first thing I want to do is I want to apologize for any audio issues that we've had last week and this week. Uh, we are having just the worst internet time. So we're going to see how this goes. Uh, but we're still, you know, we're, we're dedicated. So we're just going to power through the bad audio, and you guys are too, because we're all suffering in the apocalypse. All right. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I want to give a shout-out to the American Homebrewers Association. Uh, they do a lot to support homebrewing and homebrewers, and now they support us during the AHA. We'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, uh, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the referral link above our homepage and join today. And I just realized I should rewrite that ad read because nobody can go to tap rooms now. Oh. That's a bummer. Uh, or just preface disclaimer situation. <laughs> uh, and then if you would like to become a patron, head on over to patreon.com uh, slash blind studios. And you can get as awesome as our black belt patrons, Andy Thompson and Devin Stinson. So go do that today. You also get access to our live stream, which is not going right now because of uh, foresaid internet issues. So I apologize for that. And if you can do any Amazon shopping and you know you are because it's the only uh, business... Uh, that's globally still running during this madness, uh, head over to blindnessstudios.com, click the Amazon link of our homepage. Your Amazon shopping is normal, and we get a bit of a kickback from Amazon. really helps us out. Woo! All right. Gordon is also joining us today. How's it going? Um, hey, Gordon. So we're going we're gonna to do things a little different today. Katie, how have you been the past week? I have been, I have been, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, to be working. I know that there are people out there that aren't. And, um, we, you know, I talked about last week, uh, you know, we're continuing to do reorganization. Um, the one thing that we're also working on is the, it was either the state of Wisconsin or maybe the federal government, um, allow is now allowing food production facilities, which breweries are considered to try to make some hand sanitizer ingredients. So we are experimenting with that. Um, and we have a little batch of about a 10 gallon batch of, of beer going, oh, it's not beer. It's just actually dextrose, uh, yeast fermenting some dextrose. And we're gonna we're gonna see what that looks like in What's the next dextrose? few days. Yeah, we should, it's, um, it was, a, we ended up using about a 1050 gravity dextrose water solution. What is dextrose? Added, um, Oh, you, I didn't hear you. I didn't, okay. Dextrose is corn sugar. There you go. It's just, um, yeah, it's corn sugar. So I don't, we, we picked corn sugar over table sugar brewery because we had some. And also we, we figured that there may be a few less impurities in the, in the dextrose versus like, you know, cane or beet sugar that you would get from, you know, regular table sugar. Interesting. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. So is this, uh, things, is, you know, we're still... uh, does anybody at the brewery have like still experience? I don't oh, think so. Not that I know of. Well, okay. We're all, we're all looking at Google and, um, well, okay. So both Ethan and I, um, have taken, 
I, I, we both have taken organic chemistry and done, you know, distilling in lab and oak. So lab lab distillation. So you know, I've done this before with you know with just water. So I get you know the general concept of it, but no, I've never done any stilling. Well, or, it, okay. Um, yeah. And I suppose you're not really worried too much about like getting too much. What what is it? Is it methanol? Is the one that makes you go blind? And yeah. So you're not too yeah, much worried about that because you're not drinking we'll it. Drinking. Yeah. No. So you can kind of just put whatever in there and you're fine. Yep. 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 As long as we get, I, I suppose it has to be the right amount of, you know, el- percentage of alcohol or, or, or the proof and we have to decide from there. Do you have your, do you have your, uh, your black powder ready for your proof test? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> no, we're still trying to figure that part out. <laughs> So uh, yeah, so they they used to uh, so the way they would they would measure proof is they would soak it uh, soak uh, black powder grains in the alcohol and if it still burned it was overproof um, and if it didn't it was underproof. Hmm. Fun alcohol facts. Casey. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, Brian, what have you been up to, man? Man, just trying to maintain. Uh, there's. I don't know. We've been kind of cleaning the brewery and stuff like Katie said, and kind of organizing and reorganizing. Um, and there's not really much else to do. Uh, the we're oh. pushing, pushing cans out the door. Um, and just trying to stay alive. Yeah. All right. He also trimmed his beard <laughs> this week. Yeah. I see that. It doesn't look quite as unruly <laughs> or unruly. nearly as long. It was, I think you just mean long. No, nah, there, there, there was some quarantine unruliness that was happening. <laughs> no, I, I got to just uh, started trimming it and then realized that I, I didn't like the way it looked, so I just went to the start over point. It's not really any reason, one way or the other. It looks nice. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, <laughs> it's not, it's not a foot long anymore. <laughs> just a six inch sub. What? Just a six-inch sub? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Let's see. Oh, uh, I would like to mention a few things that we did not cover in our COVID episode uh, a couple weeks back. Um, One is actually a tip from uh, Eric, uh, who is on last week's episode, um, as far as resealing hot bags. Um, He gave me this one on the phone the other day. Uh, Basically, you can take a... um, like a, like one of those like hair straightener iron things, and reseal a mylar bag with that, because you just you just need a heat source, so you can reseal a mylar bag with it. And he said whatever, uh, like as long as you like try to get whatever oxygen you can out of there, um, the hops inside will degrade a little bit, but they'll they'll absorb whatever oxygen is left in that bag um, in like a day, um, and so then they'll stop because there won't be any oxygen left. So it'll definitely prolong how long you can keep the hops. Nice. Um, and the other one is we didn't talk about DME or LME uh, during that episode. As far oh, God. as oh. as yeah. far as a shelf stable uh, thing to make beer with. Oh, duh. So uh, yeah, that is definitely an option. Um, I would recommend like. Uh, and I mean, we're, so today we're going to be talking about uh, getting started in brewing, and so this is kind of. Uh, relevant, but using uh, LME and DME 
um, you can use that as basically your base and then add special er, add a small amount of specialty grains to that to um, change flavors and characteristics of, of your beer. Um, and so you can go a long way with that. Um, yeah. Uh, Gordon, what have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Still working, thankfully. Um, other than that, I've been slowly working through my beer gr- beer fridge so I can fit more groceries in there. <laughs> and I- <laughs> the liquid bread isn't cutting it anymore? <laughs> yeah, I kind of found a, kind of found a new dealer up here and might have went a little ham this last week. And now I have a full, my entire full bottom shelf has a gallon of milk and the rest are bombers. And the shelf above that is all 12 ounce bottles. And then my door is completely full of beer and more condiments. That's not what your fridge is supposed to look like. Well, yeah, if you have a beer fridge, but I only have one. So I'm kind of overflowing. So we're knocking back on inventory this week. Okay. All right. Well, you know, so sometimes you got to do a purge, I guess. Right. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah. So we don't really have have a question. Yeah, go ahead. What have you been up to this week? What, what have you been up to this week? Oh, what have I been up to? Uh, beer related? Nobody ever asked that, do they? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, so beer related, not much. Um, I've been... No, I always do. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Okay. Uh, not much. I've been reading uh, the uh, the new the new IPA book. Um, so I've been reading that and getting... Uh, so yeah, I guess I can kind of talk about um, where we're going to take the show in the next few weeks, because that's kind of what I've been working on. Um so starting uh, with kind of last week where we started, we're kind of doing a re-dig into hops using this new IPA book. There's a lot of really interesting new information in there. Um, so like last time we talked about hops, we used uh, Stan Hieronymus's, uh like hop book, like basically the hop Bible. And this is kind of expanding on that. So we're going to be talking about that. There's some really good chapters on like biotransformation um and just uh, all of this new science that's come out since then so we're going to dig into that and alternating weeks uh we're going to be uh talking about a we're going to be doing a beginning brewer series um it's uh been requested not just by gordon uh so i figured i figured we should do it uh but we have we have a few listeners who um they've, they've stumbled upon the show and they're curious um they want some more like beginning information so i figured let's get back to basics it's been four years since we've done a beginner brewer series so figured it's about time so that's kind of where we're going in the next few weeks and quarantine seems like the perfect time to pick up a new hobby so why not quarantine quarantine all right uh that's and that's kind of about it i've just been doing show notes so yay all right (laughs) yay god all right. Uh, well, speaking of show notes, why don't we dive right in here um, with our uh, beginner brewing? And before, I guess, before we go super in there, um, Brian, how long did you homebrew before you started doing professional brewing? Probably about ten years. Ten years. Okay. And Katie, that's about the same for me. Okay. Ten. All right. And I've been homebrewing for. I guess about 10 years now. So that's Jesus. Well, Casey, it's all pro. <laughs> I don't want to. You guys, no, you guys work too hard. <laughs> if you want to take a 75% pay cut yeah, and, yeah. and do Ooh. all manual labor all day, then, then go. I mean, on. please, please stop selling it. 
I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we, we, we have a little bit of homebrewing experience uh, be- between us. Um, and Gordon has done one batch. So. In my home- mind, I mean, I've brewed like 20 beers alongside you with listening to four years of homebrew bound. Well, there is that. <laughs> you have listened to way too much homebrew bound. <laughs> Um, but why, okay, Gordon, why? <laughs> because I jumped in in the middle of your first rendition of the Hop series and was so goddamn confused and annoyed. I got frustrated, stopped the episode, went back to the very beginning. That makes sense. Then you got frustrated for different reasons. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, for those of you out there uh, who have stumbled upon this or um, are interested in. Um, starting to brew there there's one there's one kind of main question that you have to ask yourself at the beginning um, and that's like what kind of brewing do you want to start with do you want to start um, extract or all grain um, and if you have no prior experience like a lot of people start with extract they'll either do like the pre-hopped extract kits like um, was it Mr. Beer Cooper's does one too or- right, okay Cooper's yeah, I don't um, remember yeah. anymore. Uh, and, or the um, like the built ones, like the Brewer's Best kits or the Northern Brewer kits or any other homebrew shop usually puts together like these brew kits. Um, and the advantage of extract is, uh, I mean, there's there's quite a few advantages to it. Less time commitment. You're looking at an hour and a half, two hours maybe to do an extract batch. Um, a yeah. lot less labor and mash and louder will take a long time. It sure will. As you said that time, I was like, why did I ever switch from extract? Because <laughs> 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 gall grain is a lot longer. A lot longer. <laughs> a lot, like on the short end, it's double. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and it's a lot less yeah. labor intensive. Uh, you're basically mm-hmm. putting a pot of water to boil for an hour and then cooling it um and it's also a lot cheaper you need a lot less equipment um but the the drawback to that is you don't have much control over your recipe which is also a benefit if you're just getting started um if you throw too many ingredients at it like it's uh especially for the beginner brewers i really like the uh you know just keep it simple stupid like just like keep keep that keep that kiss acronym in in mind and you'll make better beer. And I think using as a as a beginner using whether it's the pre-made kits or I grabbed this off my bookshelf this brewing it's is it backwards? Uh, no, no, it's good. No, it's not. Anyway, I can see it. Okay, brewing, brewing it's backwards. Yeah, brewing classic styles. The nice thing about this book is it has both an extract and an all grain version within every recipe. So you can sort of look at, you know, what what it what an extract recipe would equate to an all grain recipe. So mm-hmm. down the road, if you want to switch over, um, but starting with um, either a recipe that you found online that seems reputable or one of those kits is super important because then you're not, you know, like you said, you're not throwing random ingredients into a beer and not understanding why things aren't or are, are working yeah right and then the other helpful book that i do not have in front of me is uh, and it's also available online for free and it has been for forever uh, um but the the book how to brew how to, by john palmer by mr john palmer yeah this is it oh this which is edition one. is this that is the one newer version Ooh. That, yeah 
I have not seen the newer version, but the that book still plays hard. Yep, I think oh, yeah. I think uh, it's yeah, the second edition that's free the newer online. Version, How to Brew. Oh, sorry, what was that, Katie? I didn't mean to cut you off. There. I was gonna say I'm, I'm reading. This is the newer version of How to Brew. I'm rereading. I I read his original one years and years ago. I'm rereading it just to I don't know. It's, it's, there's a lot of really good information, things that I've probably forgotten or I don't even think about maybe as a brewer. Um, yeah, being being a professional brewer, it's uh, you know they, for a lot of the other professions out there, they have like uh, continuing like CE continuing education, and um, as brewers, it's like you know we we well as just human beings who are in a job, we retain the information that we need to do our job, but then when we're we're trying to solve a problem or go a little bit deeper, yeah, like we have to pick up books and look at them and figure stuff out just like lawyers do doctors etc like I, nobody can remember everything well and so. there's always new information coming out yeah too. constantly we're always always finding new books or new you know like what casey and i say on the show all the time is if you ask uh, 10 brewers you're gonna get 10 answers and mm-hmm. you know so yeah have you have any of you ever read uh, the brewmaster's bible by steven snyder no i've seen it okay. i've i've not read that one no I just got it for Christmas. I haven't gotten through to read it, but this description on it, these seems overconfident. And I know you guys have preached, you know, the Palmer books many a time. <laughs> well, part John, of that John is Palmer. He knows how to explain it to you without making you feel dumb. Well, and also yeah. part of it is like there's like at least when it, when I started brewing, and I and I'm guessing it was worse for you guys, but there wasn't a ton of literature out there. Like, I mean, there, it was just starting, like, for more and more stuff to come up. But, like, it was – you had Palmer's book and then you had Brewing Classic Styles. And there yeah. wasn't much else. And Brewing Classic Styles in in a lot of ways is a, is a good uh, reference. But it's also way out of date at this point. For a oh, lot it's of super reasons, out of date. So. Yeah. But, I mean – Which one, Katie, did you say? Brewing, uh, not not brewing classic styles. I'm sorry. Um, that one, I think, in some ways, because it, it is out of date because it doesn't follow the BJCP guidelines anymore. The yeah, yeah ones, it follows but, the old one. Um, there's another one, designing great beers. That's what I'm Oh, I was designing about. great beers. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, what was what's the clone uh, the clone brew one? Did you guys ever read that one? Yeah, um, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, yeah. So you're right. Yeah, they're just 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 very limited resources. When it comes to intro brewing stuff, yeah. Um, all right, so that's that's kind of extract in in a nutshell. Uh, we, so we're gonna do an entire episode on extract brewing, uh, kind of in in the next couple of weeks here. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, and then all grain. Honestly, it's more time in- intensive. It's way more labor intensive. Like so, time wise, four or five hours minimum. Sometimes mm-hmm. longer. I think. I did. I did a triple decoction traditional uh, lambic brew one day, and that that took eight hours. And I will never do it again. It was stupid and really dumb. It's not, it and sounds cool in theory. Like no, it doesn't. Know, I, I did blah blah. Like do it once in your life, fine. But like one, you know, it's like <laughs> that's completely unnecessary. I think it's pretty fair to say an uh, uh, all grain brewing is six six and a half hours 
is a really good average between kind of when you start and when you're like cleaned up and carboys full and um, yeast is pitched. When you when right. you're when you're able to finally sit back with that with that beer that should be your first beer, but actually is like your third. Um. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe now is a good time to mention that we don't drink until cold side, and yes. maybe we'll talk about cold. Yeah, side Yeah, um, that that is that is actually a really good, uh, really don't, good. Point. Don't start your uh, don't start your brew brew day by uh, jumping up and uh, cracking open a, a beer and start mashing it. Yeah, um, um, yeah. and honestly, like you will, like there will be brew days where you will, <laughs> um, and you will learn why you don't. When yep, you when so you maybe, maybe do it, make the mistake. Right when when you when you look at your notes or lack thereof later. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's another thing, Casey. Goddamn it, you never take notes. I I've gotten way better at taking notes. True. Way better since you've yelled at me. <laughs> hey, so I have a question. Since we're kind of talking, so uh, how long did it take, Casey, to start extract brewing? I did start an extract. Yep, I did. How long did it take before you switched to all grain? I think I did five batches of extract. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. And that then seems I, about right for me. It, it was a few. It was a few years because I kind of stopped. But yeah, it was probably about maybe maybe about eight. Okay. Batches of extract, and then I switched to all grain. Yeah. Brian, you? Uh, maybe once or. Twice ever, um, the, the people I kind of started with uh, were already already into all grain mashes, and okay. so yeah, o- only a couple. Um, I, with the exception of the, I was doing a lot of one gallon test batches back in the day, um, and so if you if you count those, like I'd prob- probably a good three or four dozen, just checking out hops in one gallon. Um, jugs. Okay. You get about six, six, seven, eight beers out of a gallon. <laughs> yeah, it's totally right. worth the effort. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Everyone used to make fun of me for it, but I thought it was great. So because I'd have, I'd have ten different beers with like ten different kinds of hops, and you know, whatever. Right. I had uh well, I mean, Miles, my 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 old old co-host, we used to do all grain one gallon batches. And that just like the effort versus yield there was not. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like beating your head against not, the wall. Not as much heavy lifting, but still, time, time is <laughs> the time is a time, thing. Time is money. Um, yeah. yeah. So all grain is yeah. So more time intensive, more labor intensive, um, and more expensive to start. You just you just need a lot more equipment. Uh, specifically, you need a mash ton. You need a full size kettle uh, with extract. You can get away with a five gallon kettle and uh for a five gallon batch because you're only boiling uh in theory three gallons of wort and then you can backfill with water um all grain you're you're kind of doing your full volume all at once so you need a kettle that's able to handle that and stainless isn't cheap um but you do have full control over your recipe or your grist um, so you know exact, or you have full control over your your base malts and all that. Um, when you do LME or DME, it's a little bit of a mystery what's in those um, in in those uh, extracts. Um, you don't. Well, and also how long how long how old they are. You know, I mean, yep. I, uh, they 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 could sit on the shelf for quite a while, and just like beer, they kind of they age and they get you know the they those 
the reactions within them get kind of gross and not gross, but stale. So that's that's less, less <laughs> gross. Gross. Well, a little nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's like so that that's kind of the first question. Um, if you if you don't have like a homebrew club that you're a part of, somebody else in your life that's brewing or that you know that's brewing, um, I honestly recommend starting with extract. Uh, one, um, it gives you a chance to focus on your cleaning and sanitizing, which we've kind of talked about a few times, but that's the most important part of brewing is making sure things are cleaned and sanitized and that you have, like, that you're dealing with, you know, just a clean wort when you're going into the fermenter. It gives you the best chance of having a good beer. Um, If you're a little bit more adventurous and you want to go all grain, go for it. Just know that there will be some stumbling blocks and try not to get discouraged. But your first beer... Oh, go ahead. If if we can, you know, when we get into... um extract brewing there are a ton of tips and we're going to talk about this at a later episode but there are a ton of tips that you can do to make that extract beer actually really really good um that i'm I'm, you know it's not like the worst thing if you decide to stick with that yeah you can make some really good extract beer yeah until recently i kind of looked down on extract beer kits because my first experience of tasting extract beer kit was I think Mr. Beer from J.C. Penney's when we sold that one Christmas. Right. And how long was that sitting on the shelf in that tin of pre-hopped right. extract <laughs> sitting in there? <laughs> I would rather lick a used cat box than ever drink that. Yep. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's, I, there's a lot of, like, my very first uh, batch of beer that I ever helped brew was a Mr. Beer kit. Like, that was a thing. And I did that years before I, or it was probably a year and a half, two years before I, before I brewed my first like extract kit from Northern Brewer, or I guess at that time, no, it was Midwest Supplies. Um, oh God. Yeah. Miss Midwest Supplies. That was my jam. Um, but yeah, so, uh, talking about equipment, uh, if you go to any, uh, especially if you're doing extract, if you go to any like online, um, homebrew shop, or even your local homebrew shop, they will sell you a beginner starter kit that will have mm-hmm. a um, a five gallon kettle, usually a fermentation bucket, probably a bottling bucket, auto siphon, um, just kind of like the basics that you need. Um, yeah, bu- buckets work great for fermentation. Um, I really do. Uh, now, now that we've kind of you know back in 2005, I think when I started, I did the there are plenty of books of uh, how to make your own stuff. And I really enjoyed making, you know, making my own stuff. Um, but now you can buy all that stuff. But that said, uh, there is nothing wrong with fermenting in a, excuse me, fermenting in a plastic bucket. Honestly, it's, it's cheap. It's they're I mean, they're durable. If you drop it, it's not going to shatter and kill you. Um, <laughs> There's so well, many horror you know, stories. When, when um, you know, the homebrewing thing first started becoming really popular, that's kind of what people used. And then now, you know, there are other options too. Uh, they have the the neo or the the um, the clear plastic. I used to know the word for it. Anybody? I I don't I don't you know, know what like, type of plastic it is, but you're talking like the the big mouth bubblers use it. Yeah, and those are great. Yeah. So and those are awesome. Essentially, they're they're a bucket too, but they're clear. 
They're less scratch resistant, which is super important. The thing the the one huge downfall of a bucket, and you can all um, if you're careful, it's not a big deal. But if you scratch that, you know, it'll cause micro scratches within the the material itself, and mm-hmm. that's a good place for bacteria and, and spoilage organisms to yep. to hide for your next batch. Yeah. Well, and there's there was a there's a rule of thumb. Uh, that I always followed that even if you're careful, retire your bucket after a year. Um, yeah. Like, or after so many badges, like there's, the, and like they're $13. Like it's not that big of a mm-hmm. deal. And five gallon buckets are infinitely useful for other things. True. You can use them to make sours. You can use them to wash your car. You can. Yeah. You can use them to store things in like you have, yeah. like they're, they're super useful. So if you're not using it, like use a clean bucket for brewing, is kind of where it's at. If you if like if if you've used it for five six batches or you know it's been a year, like eh, maybe retire it. All right. All right. Um. Yeah. So uh, for all grain brewing, um, you're gonna need a what I'd say a twelve gallon kettle, right? Minimum. So you have enough headspace. Yeah. Um, I think I- most homebrew shops sell them and they're 15. Are they 15? Okay. Yeah. Um, so basically what, what you're looking for there is if you're doing a five gallon batch of beer, um, like where you want your, where you want your end result to be five gallons, um, you're going to want your final volume in the kettle to be about six. Cause you figure you're going to lose a bunch to trub. Um, and then, so you have to also account for boil offs. So you're probably going to be boiling about eight gallons of liquid. So you can't just think, oh, five-gallon batch, five-gallon kettle, I'm good. Um, So you're going to be at least boiling eight gallons of liquid. And then you also need to worry about a little bit of headspace in the kettle because beer really likes to uh, foam up and boil over. So the more... Exactly. (laughs) As soon as it has a nucleation point, it's like, oh, we can escape now. All right. (laughs) Um, so yeah, you want to make sure you have a big enough kettle to, uh, to deal with that. And then you want, uh, you need a mash ton if you're doing all grain, um, unless you're doing brew in a bag and we will talk about that as well. But basically you're just doubling your kettle as the mash ton if you're doing that. Um, and you're using a giant like permeable bag to pull all the grains out. Um, but so a mash ton, uh, is a scent, like the most common one that you're going to see is like a... What, a 10-gallon, um, or I guess like an igloo or like a Home Depot cooler, like the big orange coolers, mm-hmm. um, with either a manifold or a false bottom. Uh, basically, all that is, it's a screen at the bottom, like above the drain, so none of the grain gets gets down, but you can uh, like pull the liquid out. I don't know if there's a simpler way of, or a better way of no. uh, describing that. Yeah, keeps the solids above enough above the drain so you don't clog the drain with the solids. Yeah, and you don't pull any of the solids into the kettle because you don't want to boil those. Yeah. That, that's a good point too. Um, yep. Uh, extract you only you need a kettle about uh, five gallons because again you're boiling about three and you're still going to run into that same issue where the beer or the wort wants to escape the kettle, especially when you add hops. Um, or your, uh, your specialty grains or yeah, anything that you add in there. 
Um, fermentation, uh, you're going to buckets or carboys. Anything is fine, really. Um, carboys, a lot of people use them. I don't like them because they're hard to clean. You yeah, I all but quit using carboys, period, and those big mouth bubblers hadn't really come out. And so literally the, the last quarter of the time that I did any kind of home brewing, I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to put it in a bucket. Fuck it, you know, put it they, in a bucket. They, they work fine. There's not. There's almost no difference between carboy and and plastic bucket. Yeah. Um. There on that scale. I mean, if you if you really wanted to dig into an argument, you want to talk about like fermentation geometry, aspect ratio, shit like that. Um. Until you start getting into conicals, uh, until you can start affording those, don't don't worry about the the geometry, the fermenter. Yeah. Throw it in uh, a bucket. I mean, I, the uh, I mean, and if you really want to spend some money, I will stand behind the SS Brewtech brew bucket as my favorite fermentation vessel at the homebrew size. Yes, I would say the SS Brew Bucket is one of the finest pieces of equipment that I've ever laid eyes on. Right. Uh, so SS and, Brewtech, would you like to support brings, us? That kind of brings up a good point, Casey, that uh, I spent a lot of money on buying buying and rebuying brewing equipment, um, you know, because it's like, well, I'll just get this because it's cheap and whatever. But if, you're, if this is something that you think you're going to be interested in a hobby and you see something like the SS Brew Bucket or whatever, or Blickman Fermenter, you might want to consider it. I mean, I, I think I probably would have ended up spending the same amount of money on equipment that I really wanted to begin with rather than um, the, continuing to upgrade, I guess. Right, yeah, doing the minor upgrades. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. There are so many things that I cheaped out on early on that I definitely wish I hadn't. Um, yeah. Just because like you ended up upgrading so quickly because you're like, well, this works, but this other thing works so much better. Um, and I'm trying to think of like some specific examples here. Uh, I mean, fermentation vessels is is the big one. Like moving mm-hmm. to a better fermentation vessel, um, especially one that's stainless, that I, I really don't have to worry about those micro scratches or glass shattering, like stuff like that. Like it's that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So an uh, auto siphon uh, is dead useful, especially if you're using a bucket or a uh, a carboy. Um, something where you don't have a spigot in it to to pull um, the war or the the finished beer out. Uh, basically, an auto siphon is uh, it's kind of what it's like. It's a base. It's like a giant racking cane, uh, but it's two parts, so you can pump it and it'll auto uh, like auto start the siphon. I don't I don't know how to describe that, Brian. You you're laughing over there. You give me a better description. I'm not. I was, uh, there's uh, some there's some scuttle scuttle button chat in the other uh, room, and uh, it's, it's fucking Gordon's fault. So, uh, <laughs> How is this Gordon's fault? <laughs> it's Gordon's fault by way of Carlos. So this is Carlos's fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But uh, I thought your description was amazing. But in in, in times like these, when we're online and. Um, yeah, there's multiple things going on and not everyone's sitting in the studio. Yeah, there it is. It's easier to get distracted, yeah. Um, all right, so auto, auto siphon, uh, you'll need tubing. Um, if you if you have a spigot or if you have a, if you have a port on your kettle, you'll need tubing to go from the kettle to your fermenter. Um, you'll definitely need tubing to go from your auto siphon to uh, your, your either like your, bo- your bottling wand or your bottling bucket if you're bottling or just straight into the keg, if you're a smart person. 
Um, that bring that brings up another interesting <laughs> point is is uh, the the nature of changing out your changing out your tubing um, from time to time, depending on your process hose, your process tubing uh, from time to time, just based on usage. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So you want to like, I mean, you want to store it in such a way where it can dry. And you can clean it, and then you can use reuse it. Yeah. Um, but tubing's mm-hmm. cheap. If you have a question, like, "Hey, is my tubing safe?" Throw it away and use new tubing. Yeah, just 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 toss it. Which I guess, if I'm looking at this from an environmental standpoint, probably not the best. Don't but... don't toss it. Keep it and, and <laughs> give, it, give it to the birds because they'll use it for something. Yeah. Yeah. No, Casey, we did big oaf. I attempted to wash my. Uh, that blow off tube for about an hour before I finally said, fuck it and threw it out the back door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it's, <laughs> uh, Casey and Gordon Bryan's losing it. <laughs> I, I see that. <laughs> He's ready for uh, DOL. I threw it out I... the back door. Like, okay. I don't know why I would be surprised about Gordon saying he threw something out the well, back door. Well, he lives door. in Spooner, so. That he didn't want. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, when it's nice, I'll keep the back door open. <laughs> Should we talk about cleaners? Is that another episode? Cleaners? Uh, no, like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, actually, that, that's the next thing on my list here. Let's, let's talk okay. about cleaners and sanitizers. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some, some, I mean, there's certain cleaners you should and shouldn't use um, for cleaning and sanitizing brewing equipment based on flavors, right? Yeah. Um, but you you put that, you know, some of that really dirty tubing in the right kind of cleaner, and it's it's going to get clean if you soak it, you know, yep. for a, a, yeah. a good amount. Um, so, all right. So, cleaners, let's, let's talk cleaners. Uh, are there certain cleaners that you guys recommend at the homebrew level? OxyClean and anything that Star Sand makes, and that's it for, for PBW. me. PBW. Yep, PBW, PBW or Star Sand. Um, yeah. Those are made by Five Star Chemical. I would highly recommend. Um, you've got to keep keep in mind here that uh, at Five Star, PBW, or any kind of OxyClean, they're, they're both very similar. Uh, it just depends on what you can get, uh, you know, a cheaper version and uh, of the two, I don't know, wherever you buy it, one might be th- cheaper than the other, but keep in mind your hands get real slick um, with the PBW. Uh, yeah. And the Star Sand, um, not, not obviously not, not as much. It's, it's quite unnoticeable. But, well, and, and Star yeah. Sand as well. So, and then we should, we should specify PBW is a cleaner, Star Sand is a sanitizer. Correct. And you can refer to episode, blah, 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 blah episode our, our, san- our sanitation and. Our san- yeah. <laughs> Our sanitation episode. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, the, oh, go ahead. If, you know, if you're going to use something besides like PBW is a specifically made uh, cleaner for brewing beer, pretty much, or you know, fermenting whatever. Um, and if you decide to to try something like OxyClean instead, make sure you're not getting scented OxyClean because that's oh, God, that, yeah, that no, residual no. Up in the in the beer. Wait, are you saying I don't want all of my beers to smell like Lysol? Yes. I didn't even know they made scented OxyClean. <laughs> they do it has flowery scent or something. Ooh. Or mountain what, what fresh. You say? Sounds perfect for uh for a Saison. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, uh, and like, yeah, there, there's a few other sanitizers out there. Um, Star Sand mm-hmm. is kind of like the standard. Um, I yeah. I will stand by Star Sand. I mean, One Step is the other one that was kind of on the scene before Star Sand was, and everybody talked about. But I haven't used One Step in years, so I don't really have a ton either, of expen- uh, experience with it. Um, all right, so if you're bottling, uh, you need a bottling wand, which is basically just a like it's a little spring. Um, spring-fed like dip tube that lets you bottle your beer and we'll we'll talk about bottling um, in a later episode but you also need bottles uh, either like bombers or 12 ounces or whatever you're bottling in. and then a bottling bucket which is essentially a fermentation bucket that has a spigot at the bottom so you can um, mix your your beer with some sugar and get it into the into the bottles uh, relatively easily right to use gravity to get down to that uh, you, there's also a bottle bottling gun uh, product yep. by Blickman Engineering. Yes, and we'll we'll cover that kind of more in depth uh, when we do a bottling episode. And kegging, uh, again, we'll do an entire episode on kegging. But basically, uh, if you're gonna keg, um, it's like big bottles, but you need kegs, uh, you need a regulator, you need a CO2 canister, um, and you need a kegerator uh, with mm-hmm. a bunch of equipment. Um, other things to consider, and sorry, I'm kind of running. We're, we're we're bumping up against some time time regulations here. Uh, but uh, just a few things I wanted to cover here. I think we did a pretty good job of covering the equipment that you need to at least get started. Um, but some things you need to consider is: Do you have a place to ferment in your house? Um, when you're looking for a place to, uh, to ferment, you need a place that um, doesn't have a ton of light. Like a closet is great for that. Like you don't natural light is the enemy of beer, especially if you're using like a glass carboy or um, a big mouth bubble or something that's clear, and uh, the UV rays can get in and skunk those hops. Um, you also want a place that's consistent temperature wise. Um, temperature fluctuation is your enemy. Like you don't want something that uh, swings twenty degrees in a day. That's not going to help you. So like an interior room or a basement is really good. Um, and then if you're just using ambient, uh, you like the cooler, the place you can find in your home, the better. Um, I think, I think that's, that those are the big three things. Anything you guys want to add about a place to ferment? You've talked about on other episodes, like putting a black t-shirt over the fermenter. Mean. Yeah, you. I I have talked about this multiple times. I was living in a like a second, maybe a third floor walk up in uptown, and if I put my carboy next to the window with a um, hoodie over it, or two hoodies, it would be exactly sixty eight degrees. Now, <laughs> the black t shirt part here has to do with the nature of isomerized hops and introducing that to uh, blue light spectrum. Uh, so there is that. I think that's what you're talking about, uh, Gordon. Correct? Yeah. So an open window during the winter. An open window with a hoodie on the carboy during the winter. For some reason, it got this this beer to 68 degrees, and I was able to make this porter that I like to drink year-round. So, um, yeah, you, you've really – all you got to do is find a spot in your house that would accept something that won't, um, you know, uh, be too crazy. Uh, for temp fluctuation, um, a little bit of fluctuation is okay, but once we start getting really high with something that we're not intending 
to to outpace that fermentation uh, sweet spot. Uh, we need to start thinking about that. All right. Um, and the last thing I want kind of want to cover here is where are you going to brew? So if you're doing extract, uh, you can do it stovetop. Electric or gas will get that get three gallons of liquid up to boil without a problem relatively quickly, um, and you won't run into too many issues. Um, the but it, once you start doing all grain, you need to start thinking. Okay, how am I going to get this amount of liquid up to a boil? There, um, a lot of stovetops just won't handle it, especially if you're looking at electric range. So you're going to have to move outside or into a garage and start using a propane burner. Mm-hmm. Um, well ventilated. Well ventilated is very, very good. Thank you, Katie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a lot of smells and heat, and yeah, no, not everyone likes. Uh, unfortunately, not everyone likes the, the the smell of a mash or a fermentation. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and also well ventilated is very important because uh, you could die. Um, yeah. <laughs> there is that. Uh, but yeah, so like a backyard, a garage with the door cracked, like if you're in a cold, uh, cold climate. Um, and then as far as burners go, any turkey fryer burner will kind of get you where you need to go. It might not be the fastest, but it'll be cheap. Um, like hurricane burners or like there, and there's, yeah, you can do some research on some burners and we can talk about that too. But, um, yeah. There's so much to talk about. There is, there is. Uh, and that's why we have to do a series on it. Yeah. One thing that, you know, we, uh, I think got, well, sort of got missed was chilling the works. Oh yes. Yes. We did. You go from a boil to, um, you need to make sure that you're pitching the yeast at 65 to 70 degrees. So yeah. if you're home brewing, it can be, you know, an ice bath in your sink uh, as you uh, get especially more for extract. into extract brewing, or I'm sorry, grain, uh, all, all grain. grain brewing. It's going to have to be some different equipment. But yep. um, yeah, an immersion chiller important. is usually what everybody starts out with. I'm still using an immersion chiller because I yeah, just haven't were great. upgraded to a plate chiller yet. You, you can even... Yeah. Uh, potentially hook those up to your sink or mm-hmm. a hose uh, outside mm-hmm. if you have access to yeah. one of those not everybody does mm-hmm. um, but yeah if you can figure out how to screw that onto your they make your, a uh, it's it's like 10 or 12 bucks a little adapter that'll hook onto your sink and then you yep. can just uh, screw your uh, your immersion chiller right onto that I do that when it's uh, yep. when it's below zero outside <laughs> all right <laughs> Um, yep. Is there anything else you guys want to hit on before we wrap up here? Uh, there's so much detail to work into with this, so just keep in mind, folks, that we just kind of did a cursory, yep. um, you know, uh, wash over uh, the beginning part of this. This is so um, yeah. So the idea behind this one was, if you wanted to start brewing tomorrow, I hope we gave you an idea of what you need. Like we may not have given you all of the data that you need to like. The, an amazing beer, but you should have enough idea like, okay, I can go on to Amazon and buy things right now. Right. I would have faith in a brew kit that comes from reputable sources, and the one or two that I know are uh, Northern Brewer, obviously, and Midwest Supply, which are owned by the same yeah. damn company anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, and, uh, there's also more beer. Is that still around? Yeah, there, more beer is still around. Oh, yeah. uh, Austin more, more Brewer is Awesome. Uh, Austin Brew yeah. Supply in Texas. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those three I've I've ordered from, and they've all they've done me right every time. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, 
Oh, what's that outro music this week? What? Oh. <laughs> O-M-G. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, again, if you have any questions about be- if you're a beginning brewer or um, an experienced brewer and you have something that you want us to cover more in depth, please let us know. And, you know, we're all in this like COVID thing together. So if you have any questions, comments, show ideas that you want us to talk about, let us know. And if you'd like to support us, head over to patreon.com slash blind and Susie. You can become a patron today. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blindandstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blind studios, or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Peace.